Um, say good evening to your neighbor. Say good evening, neighbor, and get their names. Say good evening. My name is Volunteer Your Name, and they will be kind to tell you their names. And and say to them, Are you are you ready tonight? Okay, last week we started a series in our tribe um, titled Thriving at Work, Thriving at Work, and um, today we are in part two of that series, and we, we trust God that when we are done, way before we are done, from the first teaching, I mean, I've there have been so much life change. Praise the name of the Lord. I've gotten some SMSs that I'm like, wow, we're just in part one. What will happen when we get to part five or part four? God will help us in Jesus' name. So so let's um, keep our focus as as we do part two of Thriving at Work. Statistically, 82% of Americans say they hate their jobs. Now, we, we don't know the percentage of Nigerians that say they hate their jobs because maybe we don't have the stats. But uh, going by the stats of the Americans, 82% say they hate their job. Can we take a quick poll here? And not just for those that hate their jobs. How many of us here can say, I Totally love my work. Let me see your hands. Fantastic. Put out your hands. That's about 40%. We are not doing badly. As <laughs> some 60% that don't like their jobs. Even if you love your job, you, you, you are going to benefit a lot for today. Praise the name of the Lord. Because seasons change and, um, and you may need to understand what is going on. And if you don't um, love the work that you do uh, today, God is bringing deliverance your way in Jesus' name. Job frustration affects every area of our lives, our family life. Obviously, when the man is having a difficult time at work, the wife knows immediately. When the wife is having a difficult time at work, the husband knows immediately. I mean, tension rises and we take things on out on people that have done nothing, you know, to, to hurt us. And in fact, according to research, this will shock you. It shocked me when I, when I discovered this, that the greatest single influence of lifespan is satisfaction at work. The greatest single influence of lifespan is satisfaction at work. Wow. So the more satisfied you are at work, the longer you live. So I says, oh, oh, <laughs> I need to begin to like what I do because I want to live long. And not only do you want to live long, God wants you to live long. God wants me to live long. God, God wants you to live long. So obviously, God wants you to be fulfilled, to be fulfilled at work. And in part two, the subtitle is The Work I Love. The Work You Love. Our text is Ephesians chapter 5, 18 and 19. We'll read them from two different translations. Ephesians 9, 18 and 19. By the way, do we all have the outline? Okay. Now, if you are coming to Tribe for the first time, um, we, we have, have an outline for every teaching, and you're filling the blanks as we go, so you have to be attentive. So when we get to a blank spot, and we mention what is there. It should come up on the screen. You just fill it in. That way you are um, following. And, um, and that's pretty much what it is. Of course, there will be a lot of content that is not in this outline. This outline is like, it's like a structure. There will be a lot of things you have to put in different places 
here, or if you have additional notes, um, that will be fine. Ephesians, sorry, Ecclesiastes um, 5.18, it says, even so, I have noticed one thing, at least that is good. You know, this is a preacher. He, is, is, he used to say, if you read Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of vanity. This is vanity. That is vanity. This is vain. That is vain. This is vain. I mean, and he, you know, he goes to verse 18 of, of chapter 5, and he says, at least I've noticed one thing that is good. What is that thing that is good that he has noticed? It is good. Everybody say, it is good. It is good for people to eat and drink and enjoy their work under the sun. As, as vain as everything is, as, as I consider everything vanity, this is vanity, that is vanity, this is vexation of spirit, this is vexation of soul, at least I found something that is good. It is good that man enjoys his work. And verse 19, the Living Bible says, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, that is indeed a gift from, from God. It's a gift from God. So when we talk about fulfillment, enjoying your work, and meaning, finding meaning to your work, um, there are one, two, three, four things that are key. And, and they are being in the right place. So, you right place. Being in the right place. Having a right perspective. With the right people. And having the right purpose. So you, you will only find meaning, you will only be fulfilled if you are in the right place, having the right perspective, with the right people, and the right purpose. And last week we looked at the six purposes of work. We, we, we explained why work. And so purpose it sorted out last week. Today, we're going to take out two at a time. We're going to take out um, perspective and place today. So, but as, a, as a, um, a recap, last week we explained that work has, is two-pronged. Your work is two-pronged. You have your, your what? Your job and your, and your core. Your, your work is two-pronged. You have your job and your, your call. And, and we explained that when your job intersects with your call, when your job intersects with your call, you, you have what? You have, a, you have a sweet spot. You guys are Good learners, even though it's on the board already. <laughs> you have a, a sweet spot. And sometimes the, the call does not only intersect with your call, the, the call can swallow up, can actually swallow up your job. But it doesn't have to swallow up the job. Sometimes God maintains a, a healthy tension where you have your job and your call. And, and we gave the example of, of the young man that wanted to, wanted to see a safer city. And because he wanted to see a safer city, he joined, um, he joined the um, prayer department of his church, those that will be praying for the, for the city, and he was doing night videos and praying. And, and he went ahead, apart from joining the prayer department, he actually went ahead and became a police officer because he is it's passionate, so that there was an intersection between the call, the call and his job. So he would go to work, and he feels called for a safer city. 
and how he stopped a single mom. You know that story. Remember the story. I'm, going to, I'm not going to tell you. There's no time for that. Now, get the city of last week if you want to hear the story. So we have the sweet, sweet spot. So we say the job essentially is, is what you are paid to do. Your job essentially is what you are paid to do. While your call is what you are made to do. Your, 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 your job requires your brain. But your call requires your heart. It's not that your job doesn't require your heart or your call doesn't require your brain. But the main thing, the indispensable part of your call, of your job is your brain, and the in- indispensable part of your, of your call is your, is your heart. When, when we talk about the, your job, you are focused on the task, on the task at hand, on a project, on, on an assignment, on a task. And when you talk about your call, you are focused on the mission, on the mission. This is the mission. And, and we said that the job rewards with money. But the call rewards with meaning. And, and we said that when, when you find your sweet spot, when you find your sweet spot, you will be on a job that you have been called to do. So you will discover that you are paid to do what you are made to do. I mean, isn't that fantastic? You are paid to do what you love to do. Your brain and your heart are in sync. Your tasks is all about the mission. And the money becomes meaningful. So the sweet spot is it's, 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 it's a major, major um, um, compass that we need to navigate to. It's a true knot. We need to find it. And today, is, we are going to move deeper in that direction of finding that sweet spot, of finding that place of fulfillment and meaning. We've, we've took out the purpose last week. Today, we are going to, we are going to look at right perspective and the right place. For you to get a sweet spot, really, you must have the right perspective. Not only must you have the, the right purpose, if you have the six purposes that we, we dealt with last week, you must have the right perspective and you must be in the right place. How do I get the right perspective? How do I make sure I'm in the right place? That's what we're about today. So having the right perspective is key because sometimes the problem is not the job. Sometimes the problem may be us. The problem may be you. The problem may be your attitude, your perspective, your worldview. You are not looking at it correctly. Sometimes that's the, that's the challenge. The challenge is not the job. So how do I have the proper perspective, Pastor? How do I have a proper perspective? Number one, to have a proper perspective, walk for the Lord. Walk for the Lord. It doesn't matter where your office is, really. It doesn't matter where you resume, nine to five, or in our case, um, eight to six. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The key thing is that you are working for who? For the Lord. Work for the Lord. That is the first shift you need to make. Yes, you may be working for ABC Enterprises or XYZ Limited or whatever. When you are going to work, I am going to work for who? For the Lord. Is that really scriptural? Yes, it is. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Colossians 3, 23. The word of God says that what Whatever you do, underline whatever, including your job. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you are working for who? For the Lord 
are not for men. So, so pastor, are you saying that, I mean, this, my boss is an unbeliever, but he's paying your salary. Work as if you are working for who? For God. You, you mean I should give him my best and my, oh, yes. For the Lord. So, no matter where you work or what you do, you can work for God. You can work for the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter what you do. So, the fact is that your primary service is to God. And that makes every task, every job, meaningful and significant. Your primary service is to God. And that makes every job significant. Everyone. That changes, it changes everything. You see, when I was in paid employment, understanding this changed everything. It changed everything. So it doesn't matter whether you, um, your boss has been nasty or whether they're not paying you well or whether the job is a menial job. You know, some people say, oh, uh, Pastor, I've not found the job that fits my status. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. You need to listen to last week's teaching, really. There is dignity in labor. And in every labor, you can serve God. And when you serve God, God can promote you to that job that you think is dignifying. But you have to start from what you have, where you have, and what you have. Praise the Lord. So, number one, I must what? Work for the Lord. Number two, I must walk like the Lord. To have the right perspective, I must walk like the Lord. That is, I must have the same spirit, I must have the same attitude, I must have the same dominion, the same disposition as my Lord. Now, the question is, what was his attitude? What was Jesus' attitude? Matthew Mark, sorry, it's in your um, notes. Mark, yep, 10, 45. Mark 10, 45. The word of God says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, to serve. So what was Jesus' attitude? A servant attitude. Jesus focused entirely on the needs of others. So to have the right perspective, I have to focus on the needs of others. And that, that is just count, contrary to, to, to what, how the world operates. The world says, it's a jungle out there, dog eat dog. Have you heard that before? Dog eat dog. People thrive by backstabbing and getting ahead at the expense of others. But, but God is saying, you will get ahead because your promotion is from heaven. And for you to get ahead because you are promoted from heaven, you must walk like the Lord. How did he walk? Like a servant. He had a servant heart. So what's the definition of a servant attitude? Simple. A servant attitude is becoming excited about making other people succeed. Now, this, for some of you, may struggle with this. Like, oh, pastor, if I do that, everybody will get ahead of me. Just try it. And, and watch God promote you. It, it means that you are putting other people ahead. You are excited about making your boss successful. Again, some of us think, oh, why should I be excited about making my boss successful? After all, I'm a Christian, he's not even a Christian. Listen, it doesn't matter if he's a Christian or not. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. Was Potiphar a follower of Jehovah? No. Joseph was in Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's one objective is to make Pharaoh successful. Meanwhile, Pharaoh didn't know God. Focus on making your colleagues successful. 
That is how to be a servant. Walker. Focus on making other people successful. Now, again, that goes, that runs contrary to how the workplace works. I know, I know, I know, I know. I have been there, believe me. I have seen all sorts of things, shocking things. But you have to be different. You know, I was, I was speaking with someone about, there's someone that comes to church here. The person is practically at the top of his career right now. Well, top of the known career. God will still take him higher in Jesus' name. A friend of mine who worked in the same organization with him, it's a huge multinational, he said to me that we play politics. He says, we know we play politics. This guy doesn't play politics. How did he become number one? He doesn't play politics. And I laughed. I said, you want to know what he does? He follows Jesus. Say, hey, me too, I go to church now. You know, there's a difference between going to church and following Jesus. A huge difference. So, he, even though he was a Christian, he goes to church, he could tell me, unsolicited, that this guy, you're his pastor, this guy, I've watched him, he doesn't play politics, but he never misses a promotion. Unfortunately, many of you think, oh, when I do this, when I did that, when I lick this person's butt, when I lick this person's feet, listen, promotion does not come from the east or from the west. Promotion comes from, it is God that lifts up one and pulls down another. So you better know where you should be sucking up to. Praise the name of God. You know, you, you, it sets you free. It totally sets you free. So fulfillment comes from giving your life away. It comes from giving your life away. When we walk for the Lord and we walk like the Lord, then we should expect our reward from the Lord. So that's number three. Expect your reward from the Lord. Expect your reward from where? From the Lord. It's on the screen. Expect your reward from the Lord. So, you are not bothered that, oh, oh, it's time for promotion, it's time for appraisal. Everybody's running upside down. Everybody's losing their head. Everybody's trying to lobby and suck up to this person and suck up to that person. You are calm because you understand that scripture we said right earlier on. That promotion does not come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It comes from above. If I have worked for the Lord, I've worked like the Lord, then I should expect my reward from the Lord. And that is why this testimony of this um, man that I shared, you know, it's so powerful to a lot of people around him because they, this, this guy says, I know we play politics. It wasn't even ashamed. He told me that I, I know I play politics. That's the only way to survive. The jungle. But this guy doesn't play politics. And so you can see that that's not the only way to survive. Because some trust in chariots. And some in us. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. <laughs> Look, there is a force that can lift you up and no man on earth can hold you down. I pray you align with that force of heaven today in Jesus' name. Expect your reward from God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 24. Colossians 3 24. It says, remember that the Lord will reward you. For Christ is the real master that you, you serve. So as I work for and like the Lord, I get paid twice. When you work for the Lord and you work like the Lord, you get paid how many times? Twice. Once you get paid by your organization, then you also get paid by heaven. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? You get paid by your organization, you get paid by heaven. So you're on the fast track. You get paid by your organization, whatever the salary is, then everyone says, this person actually worked for me. 
take. And not only take air on earth, even in heaven, is waiting. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so, you, so you say, that, oh, my boss never notices. You know, some people, unfortunately, even in churches, I mean, it's, it's just sad. You know, some people live for the leader to notice them. They live for the leaders to notice their work. Oh, pastor, pastor needs to see what I am doing. No, no, the pastor does not need to see what you are doing. God already sees what you are doing. And he's the rewarder. Oh, oh, my work needs to be appreciated. Listen, the only person that needs to appreciate your work is who? It's God. And he is a rewarder. He will appreciate it if it's worthy of appreciation. You know, for some people, when we say that God will reward you, it's actually not necessarily a blessing. Because if you have not worked for the Lord, you've just worked for eye service, you've worked for yourself, then you've not worked like the Lord. You've, you are just trying to get ahead of your, of your colleagues. Then when is time, God, time for God to reward you? What will you reward with? So you need to realign your life, even right now. Realign. Look at your neighbor, say to your neighbor, realign. God is taking notes already. So these three perspectives will make any job, and I mean any job, enjoyable. You know, but sometimes, however, we still need to what? To change Jobs, why? Because, yeah, he wasn't sure. <laughs> now, because of that sweet spot, if you play baseball or golf, by the way, I've started playing golf, courtesy of some nice guy. That God will bless. <laughs> Say amen now, come on. And, but, but I, I, I play tennis a little bit. Now, this racket, I can tell you many things about this racket. Many things. But the most important thing you need to know when you are holding this racket to hit the ball is what they call the sweet spot. I would say the sweet spot. If you hit the ball on the frame, the ball will move, wouldn't it move? But the ball will not move optimally. So the ball is not going to move optimally. If you, and if you, a racket like this, the sweet spot is somewhere here. This is the sweet spot. Can you see it? In fact, the, the more you move to the head of the racket, the more powerful the shot becomes. So when you hit close to the head, it becomes very powerful in the sweet spot. You need to know that. Now, if all I do is just keep hitting the frame and hitting the frame and hitting the frame, I'll be frustrated. But if I can get the sweet spot every time I hit the ball, what is going to happen? The ball keeps going at the optimal speed. So sometimes our jobs, our lives, our alignment, we are just hitting the frame. We are not hitting the sweet spot. So pastor, how can I find the job that intersects with my calling to create the sweet spot? How can I find that job? Which brings us to the next thing, finding the right place. Finding the right place to work. Now, before you think finding the right place to work is all about job search strategies, how to submit your CVs, and how to, you know, network, and how to do many things. All those things are important, don't get me wrong. They are actually very important. But, you see... Before you even begin to do all that, 
to find the right place to intersect with your calling, to create that sweet spot. You need to do a couple of evaluations and introspection. And that is what this second half of this teaching is about. That introspection. What am I looking for? What am I looking for? So to, to get that right view, you have to evaluate your past work. Everybody say, evaluate your past work. Now, many times we are not very, um, we are not introspective. We just live life and, you know, you just do the next thing. Then we go to the next thing. Then we go to the next thing. Then we go to the next thing. Oh, you get a job here. They move to a job there. They move to, and before you know it, you are 60. Say, okay, ah, do I have pension? They are worried about pension. Then you say, okay, oh, come on. There must be more to life than that. That's the rat race. So God wants us to be deliberate. God wants us to be, to be people of, of thought. God wants us to introspect. So you need to evaluate your past work life. Galatians 6.4 says, Let everyone learn to assess properly the value of his own work. Let everyone learn to assess how? Properly the value of his own work. Then he can be rightly proud when he has done something worth doing without depending on the approval of others. You've done something, you, you, only, you need to wait for someone to tell you you've done a good job. Something is wrong with that. God says you need to know how to evaluate your job. And tell yourself the truth. No, no. Now, God doesn't want us to over grade ourselves and he doesn't want us to downgrade ourselves. He wants us to have what? A proper assessment of ourselves. So how do I get a proper assessment of, of myself when it comes to my past work? How do I evaluate my past work? Two questions are key for you to ask yourself in evaluating your past work. And the first question is, what have I enjoyed? What have I enjoyed? What, what, what lights my fire? What do I do that they need to remind me that it's 8 p.m. I need to go home. Meanwhile, others have gone home at 5. For some of us, it's acquiring. I've, I've put a, a, listed a few things. We are acquirers. For some of us, it's developing. We like to develop things. We like to build things. For some of us, it's influencing. We, we enjoy influencing. Influencing is not necessarily bad if it's not manipulation. If it's influencing in the right direction, it's leadership. It's nice. For some of us, it's organizing. We love to organize. We love to organize. Now, you know, personally, I don't think organization is one of my strengths. I don't know. My wife will tell you that it isn't. <laughs> but if you look around, you see that a lot of things are organized, right? So how come they are organized? Why are they organized? There are other people that love to organize, right? So I just allow them to organize. You can't be everything. I just come to scatter the whole thing. Then they organize again. For some people, it's, it's operating. For some people, they are, it's performance. They just love to perform. 
When they came out from their mother's womb, they came out with a microphone. And they said, yo, doc, yo, doc, are you there? <laughs> they are born performers, you know? I mean, I, I sit back and I watch children play. I see all these things. I see the children that are organizers. I see the children that are performers. I don't you see them on stage? Some children on stage, I see they, they put a rope on their neck and they pull them on stage. Oh, it's like nightmare. But if you see some, there's one particular guy, the mom is not here. If you see the guy on stage, he's a natural. He likes to dance. I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy's a performer. <laughs> While his mates are still trying to remember their steps, his own steps are just flowing. And, and so we need to ask ourselves, what do we enjoy? What do I enjoy? Now, I want to I encourage you because there's no time to drill down to this detail of, of all this in, in this teaching. I want to encourage you to do um, the journey. The third and fourth trip of the journey, we went really deep into understanding your shape. If you've done the journey, you understand what I mean. When you do the journey, you will really understand that you have been shaped differently from everybody else. Everybody has a shape. And our shapes are different. So that's the first question. What do I enjoy? The second question is, you also need to think back. What subjects interest, interest me the most? Think back to your schooling days. For some of us, that's not too far away. What subject interests me the most? Some of us like to work with numbers. We love numbers. We love to manipulate numbers. If some of us, words, we like to talk. We have the gift of gab. As long as you are not gabbing crap, you are good. But it's a gift. For some of us, it's money. We just, no, 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 I'm not talking about you love money. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, no. I mean, you know how to handle money. <laughs> that is, money lasts in your hands. For some of us, Money comes in, and like, where, where has it gone? That's not, you're not the one I'm talking about. Some of us, we, we actually love people. We love to be with people. We love to work with people. We love to interact with people. Some people love it. Some people actually don't like it. They prefer to work with machines and things than to work with people. It's not that it's bad. It's just, you need to know that that is what you are drawn to. Some people is ideas, some people is details. Again, take the journey. The journey drills down deeper into all these things. If you want to get clarity and direction about all these things, take the journey. By the third trip, by the third, end of third trip, you should be fine. So number two, number one, I need to evaluate what? My past work. Number two, I need to evaluate my abilities. Evaluate your abilities. Romans 12, 13. Romans 12, 13 says, try to have a, now, here we are again, try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Don't overestimate them. Don't overestimate your capabilities. Also, don't underestimate your capabilities. Have a right estimate. What am I capable of doing? You, you have to think, what am I capable of doing? What I've, I've told you, I mean, I don't think I'm the best organizer. I know that. So if I need to engage someone to work with me, one of the things I'm looking out for is if the person is organized, if the person is not organized, don't come out. Add your own confusion to my own. 
Romans 12, 6 says, God has given each of us the ability to do what? Setting things well. Everyone can do something better than the average person. There's everyone sitting here. There's something you can do better than the average person. You need to find that thing. Because nothing is more frustrating than being on a job that you're not gifted for. Or a job that will not even use your gift at all. For some, it's writing. I write. But I know that I am not a writer. You know, people have tried to encourage me. You can write, you can write. I I can write and try and get myself to write. And to be good. But I know that is not my strength. So I need to write. So what do I do? I try to look for people that can write. If you cannot write, I don't need you. I did all that. But I can't write. So not that I can't write. I can write, you know. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Praise the name of the Lord. For some people, it's speaking or communication. By God's grace, I can communicate. In fact, I find out that if I need to write, I need to talk about what I need to write first. So I need to talk, then I write. That is how I write. I talk first, then I write. For some people, it's building. For some people, it's evaluating. For some people, it's performing, like I said. For some people, it's selling. They can sell so well. Now, you, I mean, there, there are people here, you, you are an entrepreneur. You, you, are, you are passionate about a, a business idea. Maybe you, maybe you bake cakes, for instance. And you, you can stay in the oven. No, not in the oven. <laughs> you, can, you can stay in the kitchen next to the oven for hours. You are sweating. You are fine. You are, you are churning out your cake. You are churning out your cake. But guess what? For your business to thrive, you need to sell those cakes, otherwise you will eat them yourself. And since you, you, selling is not your strength, find someone that can sell. And give them what they want. And make sure they are free to do what they want. Just let them go out and sell these cakes so that you can make more for them to sell. In fact, there are people, they are so good at selling. You know, you've, you've heard it said before that some people can sell ice to es- Eskimos, to guys that, that live in ice. I, I know friends, I can sell, but I know friends that are, they can sell used chewing gum. And they'll make money out of it, I'm telling you. They say, this is used chewing gum. It has been used before, but if you taste it, By the time they are done, you say, okay, okay, let me try one. <laughs> you know what used to be going If you don't know what it is, come and buy one. <laughs> Find someone that can sell. Again, we're going to get to that. People. You're going to get to people. But that's not the thrust of this. You need to find the right place. One of the major challenges in, in marriages is, is, that, is, is that we have people that are gifted in different areas but have insisted that they do traditional things. They, they play traditional roles. For instance, we have a woman, she's, she's gifted with money. She, she's very um, frugal, right? Is that the word? She, she doesn't spend a lot. She, she knows where everything is. She's very, she, she knows how to keep the books, how to balance the checkbook. And the husband is the opposite. Who should balance the checkbooks? But the man insists, I'm the man. They will always have problems. Why? Because he's not gifted in that area. Let the person that has the gift use it. I also know a couple that the guy is a better cook than his wife. 
Guess who cooks in the house? My friend. One of the very first times I mean, that I, 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 I went to visit them, and he was with the cookie. I called, I said, oh boy, come. <laughs> Let me check your temperature. <laughs> no, he doesn't say, for more, I just enjoy cooking. I say, <laughs> We don't know, know enjoyed the party. Now, it's not a cooking, it's a party. I mean, that was my perspective at the time. Now, the, the, uh, <laughs> for them to have, and the wife loves to clean up. My wife knows the couple. The, the woman can wash tomorrow's plates down today. So the guy does the cooking, the wife does the cleaning up, and there was I telling them something is wrong with their marriage. I mean, who am I to even say that? But I don't say that anymore. I mean, but then I was really shocked. I was, I was scandalized. What kind of man are you? <laughs> Wearing a front. <laughs> Let them do the wrong. Don't insist. You know, like some guy, he, he sweeps the floor, he cleans the house better than his wife. When this guy cleans their house, it's spotless. But guess what? When his mom was coming from the village to visit, he said to me that I cannot be sweeping when my mother is around. Though. Because my mother will think my wife has given me something to eat. So the wife will be sweeping. I'm like, well, that works for you. That's your business. But my point is this. If you are better at sweeping... Men, if you are the better cook, instead of complaining that your wife can't cook, go to the kitchen and... Oh, I know some men... <laughs> some men are not finding that funny at all right now. But, 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 but listen, 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 listen. I used to be like you, don't worry. And, and the point is this. If you are a better cook, at least cook sometimes. I think I should move on from here. <laughs> Why? Because every exceptional person that you see, everyone that has been exceptional, they don't waste their time on areas of their weakness. Everybody has a weakness. But the people that are exceptional, they never waste their time on the areas of their weakness. They always throw themselves on the area of their strength. They don't even waste their time on where they are average. They focus, laser focus on their strength. Why? Because nobody can be exceptional at everything. Nobody can be exceptional at everything. If you want to be exceptional at everything, yourself. Nobody can be exceptional at everything. Nobody. So, you have a weakness. You have where you are average. You have where you are strong. Unfortunately, we are told to work on our weaknesses. Except your weakness is a sin. Don't work on it. If it's a sin, if you don't work on it, it will take you to hell. So you better work on it. But if your weakness is an area of skill, I'm telling you, leave it alone. Find the area you are strong and focus. You'll be shocked. You'll be very shocked. As, as much as, as, much as I, I am good with numbers, in my business, in my businesses, I find out that I'm not interested in money, and that's not good for business. Do you know that? In my business, I'm not interested in money. I find out that I, I'm actually not interested in money. Isn't that a problem? So I need to get... Someone that is actually interested in money. Otherwise, that business is not going to go anywhere. I can give everything away. Okay, you want this? Okay, you can have it. You want this? Okay, you can have it. Oh, okay, you want to have this discount? Oh, someone needs to tell me, wait, 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 wait. We cannot. Same thing. I need, I need to get someone that focuses on the money. I'm not interested. Left to me, I will give all the money away. Oh, you, you have this problem. Oh, take. Oh, you have Oh, you take. So I need someone whose eyes are strong. Who can say, what do you want? 
So when they come to me, I say, go and meet the person. You all know who the person is. <laughs> okay, let me go on now. Let me go on. Uh, when I stop, you can't be exceptional in everything. Your gifts are strong indicators of your calling. They are strong indicators of your calling. When your gift match your job, then your work becomes a natural expression of who you are. When your gift matches your job, your work becomes a natural expression of, of, of who you are. And one of the things that parents need to be careful of is that one of the best things you can do for your children is that helping them to find their natural bent as parents. Helping your children find their God-given capabilities and abilities. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child in a way that he should go. And in keeping to his individual gifts and natural bent. That's not talking about morals. It's talking about bent. This is what the child likes doing. Like this child likes dancing. Praise the Lord. And when he's old, he will not grow. Depart from it. Don't try to make them exceptional. At, your, your child doesn't like to play football. Don't force that child to play football. Don't say to that child, Messi is collecting how many million? 200,000 pounds a week. 250? How much is it? 300. 300,000 pounds a week. And you carry your son. He said, you. Wag ball, lady. You don't know anything. You will play ball. <laughs> 300,000 pounds a week. I've seen a father take his son to penalty, to play penalty, practice penalty. That boy cannot play jack. Empty post penalty, the boy will shoot the ball in this guy. Why is this guy wasting his time? Praise the Lord. Don't try to make them do those things because they will find satisfaction when you guide them aright. So number three, I must evaluate. Not only should I evaluate my past work, not only should I evaluate my abilities. Number three, I must evaluate my work environment. My work environment. First Corinthians 12, 4-5 says, There are different kind of gifts. And there are different ways of serving. You need to ask yourself, in what environment do I produce the most? In what environment am I most productive? Some of us are productive in structured environment. We, we like structure. We like rules, regulations, and policies. We like clearly defined job descriptions. We, are, we like people to tell us what is expected of us, and we are happy with that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's good to know that that is what you, how you are shaped. For some of us, we are unstructured. We like unstructured environments. Structure inhibits our creativity. We want to go to work without socks. We want to go to work with t-shirts and jeans. We don't want anybody to put a rope around our neck. Sorry, tie. We, we want to be free. We, we want to think outside of the box. We want to be able to go and sit down in the park and, and walk. We want to sit on the floor in the office and work. You need to know, you just need to know, it's not that one is better than the other, you just need to know who you are. For some of us, we, we love competition. Some people, they excel when there's a sales target. Give me a target. I would beat the numbers. I would be the best salesperson. I'm not saying me, I'm just saying some people are like that. And they just love the competition. Some people choke on that competition. They, they, are fanta- they, they, they probably will even make higher numbers, but as soon as they know that they are being compared and their work is going to be benchmarked against a target, you need to know that, that I don't thrive in a competitive environment. You need to know. And if you do, you need to know For some, they work under pressure. Pressure is their juicer. 
They work under pressure. Someone says to me, Pastor, you need to put me under pressure if you want to get results. And it doesn't mean that they are crazy people. Some of you, if you ask anybody, some people, it is when there's pressure, that's when their blood pressure is normal. I know a few of such people, I will tell you who they are. They, they just like the pressure. They thrive under pressure. But for some other people, when you put them under pressure, their blood pressure shoots up. They don't work well under pressure. You need to find out what environment suits me. And number four, finally. So number one, I need to evaluate. Come on. My past work. Number two, I need to evaluate my Number three, I need to evaluate my... Number four, I need to evaluate how I naturally relate with others. You need to evaluate how you naturally relate with others. How do I naturally relate with others? Why? Because the number one reason of frustration in, 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 the, in the workplace is people. It's people. 80%, 85% of people that resign, resign because of their manager, of their boss. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Warn those that are idle, encourage those that are timid, help those that are weak, be patient to everyone. So he's saying that you relate to different people in different ways. Like I said, if you, if you put... put Five children together and watch. Out of those five children, usually, it's one of my pastimes. <laughs> one of them, we say, let's go this way. Let's go to Pastor's car. That's the leader. The rest of them, they're usually more than, would say, okay, let's go. Those are the team players. They are the followers. They won't, they, they will just wait until somebody says, in fact, something happened today. I was watching a group of about four children. One says, let's go to the big church. The other says, no, 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 no. Let's go to, towards Uncle Alfred's office. So there were two leaders and there were two followers and there was confusion. <laughs> so, so I looked at them and said, how are they going to resolve this? And immediately, a peacemaker sprung up. I said, okay, you know what? Let's first go to Uncle Alfred's office. Then we will now go to, as a peacemaker. We will now go to the big church. Even with children, you can see these traits. It's life. You need to ask yourself, which am I? Which am I? Some are coordinators, some are coaches. Which am I? Why? Because there's no single style that is right. There's no single right style. Some people say, oh, I want my child to be uh, the leader. Your child may just be a very compliant boy. He cannot lead nothing. Just show him the way we follow. But you, you, because you are a leader, you want, my child must be there. No, 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 no. Your child must be who your child has been designed to be by God. Praise the name of the Lord. That's how they find fulfillment. So there's no single style, but there are certain jobs that require certain styles of relating with people. For instance, if you want to work in a nursery school, you cannot have a sergeant major's voice. Yeah, do you understand? For instance, if you are always frowning, you cannot be a greeter. You cannot be in first touch. We put you Prayer. <laughs> Sorry, Masolola. Go frown at the devils. <laughs> we need people that will smile at people. And welcome them to church. Stop frowning. If you see any greater frown, let me know. They are going to prayer. Because there's no single style that is better. If you're a born salesperson, don't, don't go and apply for a librarian's job. 
I find something to sell. Paul and Barnabas, you know the story of Paul and Barnabas? Different styles. Paul had a different style. You mess up, you face it. Barnabas has a different style. We carry everybody along. Paul says, oh God, I don't have time for this John Mark guy. Barnabas says, ah, we have to carry him. Paul says, is it because you're cousins? Because we're cousins. So they went different ways. But down the line, Paul didn't change his style. Mark lived up to the expectation. Paul says, bring him up. In other words, it's nothing personal. It's just different styles. Praise the name of the Lord. First Peter 4, 10 says, God has given each of you special abilities. Be sure to use them to do what? Help others. Help others. So, one of the causes of midlife crisis, as we know, is that when people find out that they've poured their life into something, wait a minute, I'm over 40 already, and this is just my life, you know, and it's just crisis immediately, you know. But if, if you get this down, you discover that your life is in sync, and you are fulfilled, and your life is meaningful. So I want to close this teaching with this truth. And that truth is this. There is no job that is 100% fulfilling. I write that down. There is no job that is 100% fulfilling. Why is that, Pastor? Why? Because you will never find a job in which you are 100% fulfilled. Why is that? Simple. Because God never intended you to be 100% fulfilled at work. Wow. That's that's where you look up. (laughs) God never intends you to be 100% fulfilled at work. That's why you will not find any job that will make you fulfilled 100%. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Even if you find your sweet spot, even if you find Even if you find a sweet spot, you are operating in the, in the sweet spot. I'm saying, there's, the way you are designed, the way I'm designed, no job, even if you are operating in the sweet spot, can satisfy you a hundred percent. Why? You won't find the fulfillment. After a while, there will still be something missing. Why? Because God also wants you to find fulfillment in your family life. So if you sacrifice your family, even though you find your sweet spot, you will discover that you will still be unfulfilled. Why? Because God also wants to, whether you are single or married, regardless, there's a family connection, a family unit that God wants you to have. Also, God wants you to have fulfillment in with other people, other Christians and non-Christians. So, even if you find your sweet spot, you need to find fulfillment in family, fulfillment in other people. You still need to find Fulfillment, this will surprise some people. In leisure. All work and no play. Makes jacket over. It's so true. If you even if you find your sweet spot and you don't find fulfillment in leisure.
There's going to be a challenge. I'm waiting for those that are drawing to catch up. Praise the name of the Lord. So, fulfillment in my family, fulfillment in people, fulfillment in leisure, fulfillment in ministry. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody. The pastor, I have a ministry. Yes, you do. Again, when you do the journey, it will be clear to you what I'm saying. Everybody does. Everybody does. So if, if even if you find your sweet spot and you don't find that ministry that God has called you to fulfill, it could be usher, it could be prayer, it could be whatever it is, it could be even outside of the church, it could be hospital stuff, it could be prison stuff for those that are shaped that way. If you don't find it, so in family, in people, in leisure, in ministry, and even if you find fulfillment in these five areas, you can still be unfulfilled when the rubber meets the road. If you don't have fulfillment in God. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.